The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. New research has revealed that the influence of the far right in Ireland is growing. This study by the Institute for Strategic Dialogue also shows that tech companies are failing to enforce community guidelines to curb the spread of false, misleading and harmful content. Now, to talk about all of this is Kieran O'Connor, who's co-author of the report and senior analyst at the Institute for Strategic Dialogue. And we're also joined by Emmett Ryan, business and technology correspondent with The Business Post. Good morning and welcome to you both. Um, so, Kieran, this report, why was it undertaken and uh, what does it reveal? Well, I think that we've all become aware in, in, in this country and others to varying degrees that online platforms are being used to create and share false, misleading and potentially harmful claims and content. Now, to try and uh, address this and study this at scale, uh, some colleagues and I put in a grant application to the European Media and Information Fund. It's an initiative run by a, a philanthropic fund called the Gulbenkian Foundation that supports research into issue areas like disinformation, but also supporting media literacy and so on. So we put in a grant application to study this. The research period covered uh, January 2020 up to April of this year, and really the major finding of this in, in studying the kind of online space online where mis and disinformation thrives in Ireland is that uh, since 2020, that online ecosystem that is active in producing and promoting mis and disinformation in Ireland is growing. So uh, the, the extent of the disinformation is growing, but do we know how many people are generating this and what kind of a willing audience do they find? Because it could be just a, sm- a few, a small number of bad actors generating all of this stuff. Yeah, well, the the ecosystem that we have uh, kind of studied is made up of actors and accounts that have a clear history of having previously shared false or misleading information or conspiracy theories um, online. Of course, at the core of this, there are, I suppose, more prominent or more active uh, figures in that. And in that instance, where we found uh, the most active, the most prolific and most popular figures were more often than not associated with far-right groups or far-right uh, organizations are kind of promoting um, those ideologies. And in terms of the kind of reach that um, these kinds of you know claims and pieces of content can have online, well, that's also growing too. And what we found was that COVID was really a catalyst for the proliferation of, of conspiracy theories, myths and disinformation. And I mentioned how we've all been kind of come aware of this kind of issue, this problem online since 2020 especially, I think what this research does is provides firm evidence that supports um, the statement that, yeah. that, that the spread of conspiracy theories is, is, is growing and the growth of communities that base themselves upon conspiracy theories are growing too. Now, the, the question of disinformation and, uh, you know, the, are people, if you like, converted by this information into a particular camp, like the anti-vax camp or whatever it might be, um, or... Do these places, these postings, just provide a home for people who had those ideas anyway, but didn't feel themselves ever represented in mainstream media or mainstream politics? Well, yeah, what we're talking about there actually is the the kind of combination or even amalgamation of lots of disparate communities online. And 
what was seen, what has been seen in Ireland in the last few years is part of a wider trend observed by ourselves and, and countries around the world where uh, COVID-19 and the kind of after effects of it has resulted in a, in a new type of kind of protest, let's say, movement online. This movement has brought together a wide range of people, groups and ideologies and allowed for a mixing of, of ideas that, that really wouldn't have, and communities that really wouldn't have happened in that pre-pandemic world. So you have be it anti-government protesters, anti-vaccine activists, also mixing in the same spaces as right-wing extremists, maybe New Age spirituality and wellness um, movement members as well. And as a result of that, we've seen this kind of um, proliferation of conspiracy theory communities online, and then they have their reach into different topics, be it immigration, be it LGBTQ, be it climate, and so on. Yeah. Now, uh, COVID, obviously, the devil finds work for idle hands, and people are online an awful lot during the, the COVID uh, crisis. But, but also, in the COVID crisis itself, irrespective of anything else, may have sparked certain elements of protest about deprivation of civil liberties by being locked down and all of that. Then you have the arrival of 100,000 plus Ukrainian refugees, which puts you know, pressure on hospitals and on housing and all the rest of it. Uh, I, I mean, would some of these feelings not have erupted spontaneously in the population, given, you know, the pressures that they may have felt themselves under? I think so. Yeah. And I think it's there's an important distinction to make between, you know, genuine protest and genuine debate or even criticism of, of government policy or so on around, you know, policies introduced to curb the spread of COVID, but also the way in which Ireland is managing its its um, asylum seeker and immigration uh, system too. But that's not what I suppose we're focused on in this report. What we're looking at is how these kind of topics provide cover for, um, you know, figures, individuals, groups to kind of weaponize these issues yeah. and take immigration for example we're, we're not interested in, in focus or studying on the the local communities who have concerns around resources and and, and and availability in the local area what we're interested in are the kinds of groups who are using terms like plantation as a way to, to weaponize and frame the arrival of asylum seekers as some sort of um, yeah. existential threat to Irish communities you know those kinds of claims those kinds of ways of speaking about asylum seekers and false and misleading claims then in turn can foster, you know, hostility, uh, hostility and potentially hatred against such groups as well. Now, Emmett Ryan, a business and technology correspondent with the Business Post, is uh, listening to that conversation. Uh, so, Emmett, uh, the social media platforms uh, enable maybe quite small voices to be amplified. That's exactly it, Pat. I mean, you've certainly seen it get worse over the last couple of years. You can tie a lot of this timing-wise in really to uh, Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter slash X, essentially because his approach has been being a free speech absolutist, whereas uh, Twitter, as it formerly was, is making substantial strides at the time towards ensuring less misinformation got out, particularly in relation to COVID, as you mentioned, Pat, and had been taking strides as well regarding hate groups. But uh, Musk's policy has essentially been to, uh, you know, allow sort of free reign for all, but also to reduce the number of people working pretty much to nothing uh, when it comes to sort of the safety side of things to reduce the threat of misinformation, which means one of the largest platforms out there really has become quite much more vocal in that respect. Like Facebook and Meta, for all their faults, 
do clearly still put a lot of work into trying to limit what gets up there. Obviously, that's because of what happened to them in the years past. And Google, likewise, with YouTube, has become much stricter in what it allows through. Yeah. But there are other channels developing all the time. TikTok is obviously quite popular. And as it's still a relatively young platform, it's still not as well policed, essentially, as the others have learned to yeah. be, or in the case Twitter's was. But uh, Elon Musk, I mean, he does put his head above the parapet in all sorts of uh, ways, whether it's you know, having spaceships that uh, blow up over the Florida seas or whether it's, uh, you know, involving himself in politics. But when you do that, I mean, you become uh, the the target in the coconut shy. And, um, you know, he may, by being indifferent to those kind of controls, bring about much more draconian controls of all social media because of the way he behaves. And that's certainly a concern, Pat, on the business side with the other social networks, because naturally their preference is to be able to police themselves and to have less government in influence and less regulation. But the greater Musk's actions, the more, and we've seen it already with the EU in terms of its concerns over the role of X, formerly Twitter now, the more likely we are to see both national and pan-national organisations take steps to try and enforce, essentially, certain guidelines and certain regulations in terms of what is permitted to be on social media, which naturally the businesses involved don't want to have that influence yeah and and uh, you know there will be court cases that follow uh, uh, you know upon transgressions which could be very costly for uh, these platforms because they tend to be up to a maximum of a certain fraction of their turnover globally so these are not uh, toothless fines that might be uh, imposed but you know the growth of the far right we've seen it in the last few days in argentina now they have very particular problems uh, in their economy and people are impoverished by what's gone on there but in italy which wouldn't have the same level of a uh, problem but does have a, a, obviously an immigration problem um, what in ireland would actually lead to the growth of uh, a far right body of any significant size because social welfare is good we do our best with the health service we're struggling with housing but we're making efforts in those regards and by and large we're a prosperous economy so what would give rise to a right uh, movement here well essentially part you've got to look at sort of you know where they get their energy and that is from stoking fears stoking concerns so you have quite a lot of people who are converted towards these viewpoints or even part of the way towards these viewpoints who would have been much more neutral, but naturally have their own concerns in life. And here's somebody pointing out, well, this is the problem. If we address this in a certain way, your life will not be as challenging as it currently is. And for people who are struggling right now in any capacity, just to be clear, not just financially, that can obviously be quite alluring. And when there isn't uh, anything enforced to try and, you know, reduce the impact of misinformation and to sort of really counter that, it's much easier for that message to get through, erroneous as it may be. All right, Emmett, thank you very much for joining us. Emmett Ryan, business and technology correspondent with the Business Post. And before that, Kieran O'Connor, senior analyst at the Institute for Strategic Dialogue and co-author of that report. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.